Good morning again. Hey, let's open our Bibles to the book of Jude. The book of Jude. You know that, uh, that movie? I'm looking forward to seeing that movie too. Kind of bring us back to the early days. Really, that's kind of where we came out of that whole, that whole time where God was doing a special work. The Jesus Revolution. The Jesus Movement. They call it different names, different things. But, but God did something special there. And, and that really is... Radical. I was thinking, too, that, uh, you know, Paula uh, gave her life to Christ at a Greg Laurie meeting way, way back. So there's a lot of history, a lot of good history. Jude. Let's read verses 3 and 4 before we move on to verses 5 through 7. It says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you, about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. This, this letter, uh, the major portion of it is dealing with contending for the faith and watching out for false teachers. And, and we've, we've been looking at that and, and it kind of even gets a little bit deeper even today, what God has to say about this whole thing. But he, he talks really about, about, you know, these wolves in sheep's clothing. I, I kind of like this picture, you know, right in amongst the crowd, but you have to look carefully, but you'll see... You can see there's a couple of them in there. And, and, and you know, they, they come in and, and they'll, they'll twist the, the scripture. They'll twist the meaning of the words. Even the, the meaning of the word grace, they'll twist it to mean something else. They'll pour different meanings into words. And, and you know, then, then, you know, this idea that since God's grace covers everything, we just live however we want. doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I think really that's a misunderstanding of grace. And again, when we, when we truly know what grace is and we're impacted by what, what God has done by His grace, we, it, how can you live like that? So that's what Paul says. God forbid, how can we do that? Live any other way than the way God would have us to live. And then secondly, they deny the, that Jesus Christ is our only sovereign and Lord. That's a huge problem. Jesus is Lord and, and He will continue to be Lord. And we're going to hear some more about that in a couple of weeks. But we, when, we, when we don't really understand who Jesus is and what obedience is, th- this is what happens. But, but Jude points out as we get into the next session, section here is that, that their day will come and the truth will win out. The truth will win out. So... The interesting thing about Jude, and, and again, we, we talked about this in the beginning, that, that Jude, you know, he grew up with Jesus, right? And, and we, we kind of think about his personality and who he was and everything, but there's something that kind of comes out as we, as we get into this next section, is that Jude knew the Bible. He knew the Scripture, the Old Testament Scriptures, of course. He knew what they, had, what they said. 
And so then he, he, he begins to give three examples. And remember that the context here is these false teachers. But he, he gives the, these three examples, these three instances of judgment. Now, I, I warned you last week that, you know, it's going to get worse in terms of the, the difficult things that Jude has to, to say and to speak about. And judgment is not something that, you know, we like to talk about. We like to talk about the God of love, and, and as much as God is love, and He is a God of love, He's also the righteous and holy judge. And He is sovereign. He makes decisions, and He can and He will do what He says He will do. And for us to surrender and to submit to that, you know, that, 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 you know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. So for us to have this right understanding of who he really is and and that we would humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift us up. Warren Wearsby said that these are three examples of those who resisted his authority and they turned from the truth and this is what they received. And, And he said that God will also judge the false teachers. Their seeming success will not last. God We'll have the last word. God will have the last word. You know, we look at, and I talked about this, you know, these, some of these churches are massive, and they're, but, but yet they're, they're not really even teaching the truth. And so how could that possibly be? Their seeming success, Warren said, will not last. God will have the last word, and that is always true. God will have the last word. Let's read the verses 5 through 7 that we're going to look at this morning. Though... You already know all this. I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. And they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. You see what I mean? What we're getting into here? Now, Jude starts off, he says, listen, I, you already know all this. You already know all these things. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here and but, but I, I thought about this. Well, how would they already know all those things? If they knew what the Bible said, they would already know those things. If they had read in, in the books of the Old Testament, they would know that these things had happened. But, but Jude says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to say it anyways. I got to say it. I think, you know, he was, he was thinking about Peter, perhaps. When Peter says in, in 2 Peter, in, in chapter 1, he says... I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. I'll turn one page and not two here. And he says, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Jude's kind of saying the same thing. I got to, I'm going to repeat this stuff. I'm going to say it to you again so that you will remember it because I'm not always going to be here. 
Sometimes, you know, we think we're, we're just saying the same things over and over again. But you know what? We forget. I forget. I need to hear these things. And, and the scriptures that we hear and the scriptures that we read, you know, they, they, they kind of get into our memory banks. And, and Jesus said the Holy Spirit will bring them back to our remembrance. It's actually the same word that that Jude used here to remind you, to bring to your remembrance. I'm going I'm to help you remember as long as I'm alive. So he's got, again, he's got these three examples, and we're going to look at each one. One's in verse 5, one's in verse 6, and one's in verse 7. So the first one, found in verse 5, he says that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Now, I hope that you have read in the book of Exodus where the Lord brought his people out of Egypt. If you don't know the story, it's a fascinating story. You say, well, I can't read the Old Testament. I can't read that stuff back there. It's just too hard for me. Read the book of Genesis. It's fascinating. Start in the book of Exodus. Leviticus gets a little bit difficult. I totally agree, but you still need to get through it. Deuteronomy is, is filled with some difficult portions, but, but it, it, it gives a whole bunch of history. The history of, of our planet, really, from the first five books of the Bible, gives a kind of the foundation for who we are, where we came from. And we need to know that. Where did it all come from? He starts out in Genesis 1.1, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, he refers back now, and where did he know this? He knew this from, from what the Old Testament said, what the Bible, what the scriptures said about this exodus, where the people of Israel, the children of Israel, were where? Where did they get exodusted from? I just made up that word. They got exodusted from Egypt, right? Because they were in Egypt and, and they were slaves. They were slaves in Egypt, and, and, and you know, they... They cried out to the Lord, and, and finally God brought them a deliverer in, in, in the form of Moses to bring them out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. It was an incredible thing. This is, this is no you know, small group of people. There's, this is you know, over a million plus people that were delivered miraculously. And go read the story. It's, it's fascinating. I, we don't have time to read all that. We'll never get through any of these verses here in Jude. But, but he brought them out miraculously, and they saw what he did. The ones that Jude is speaking about, they saw the miracles, they saw them. And, and yet, even though they saw it, even though they were actually there, what does Jude say? It says they didn't believe. They didn't believe him. Later on, this isn't too far down the road now, they, they've, been, they've been brought out of the land of Egypt, and they're, they're pretty much on the, the gateway into the promised land. Right? This isn't very long. And so, so God says, I'm a, it's time for you to go into the promised land. I'm going to take you in. It's going to be incredible. Don't forget what I just now did to get you out of Egypt. Sometimes our memory isn't so good, right? We, we forgot. We're, we're facing some battle and we go like, I'll never get through this. We forget what he did last week. We forget what he did yesterday, much less, you know, years ago. Anyways, they're at the, the, the gateway to the promised land and, and God says, go in. They say, well, 
Deuteronomy tells us, you know, they asked if they could have some spies to go in first and check it all out. So God says, yeah, okay, you can have some spies. They send in one from each tribe, 12 spies go into the land, right? They, they were sent to go check it out. You know, they, they put balloons up in the sky. No, just kidding. I got you on that one, didn't I? And then, the, you know, the, the natives there, they shut it down. And... No. They went in and, and they explored the land. They were told to, to go in and explore the land and see what, what it was like and, and what kind of thing they were going to face and, and was there any fruit in the land. And so they, they go in and they come back out and they, they bring all this fruit with them. And they said the place is like exploding with fruit. Yeah, it's incredible. But there's like giants in there. There's like a lot of people in the cities are walled. You know, they have these big fat walls and, 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 and God says, listen, go in. And two of the spies who went in, Joshua and Caleb, right? They said, yeah, definitely. We're going to go. We can do it. God is going to do it for us. But 10 of them said, no, we can't. We can't. We don't believe that God can do what God is telling us that he will do. Very sad, isn't it? They're not willing to trust God, even though, as Jude tells us here, they saw it. They, they saw what he did to bring them out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. But but we're not going to believe him. You know what? You and I, we, we need to be reminded of what God has done for us. And and when we face these new things that, that God would, would we would trust God that he's, he's going to get me through this today, too. You know, they they said they're you know, we're not. We don't want to go. As a matter of fact, they they said, and I I can't even fathom this, but I know that we're all human and we're sinful, but they said, let's get somebody new to lead us and we're going to go back to Egypt. We're going to go back into slavery? Like, what is wrong with you people? So it says here that they, they died. They couldn't enter because of unbelief. And, and, and Deuteronomy tells us they, they couldn't enter because they had a hard heart. Their hearts were hard. One person said this, They did not believe that God would give them the land of Canaan. Consequently, all the unbelieving adults died in the desert without entering the promised land except for Caleb and Joshua. So, so for 40 years, they wandered around. 40 years, you know, until that whole generation of those that were 20 years and, old, 20 years old and older, until they had all died in the desert. That's why they had to wander in the, in the desert for 40 years. God didn't want them to wander around in the desert for 40 years, but because they wouldn't go in when he said go in, that's what happened. Okay. You don't want to believe me? You don't want to follow me? Here you are. We, we think, well, and again, if you've never read what happened back then, you've got to go read it. This is, you know, in the book of Exodus, and then, you know, what I just described is in the book of Numbers in chapters 13 and 14. But, but Paul says back in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 about these things, he says, I don't want you to, to be ignorant, of the fact, brothers, that, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, that they passed through the sea. 
They were all baptized into Moses in, in the cloud and in the sea. They all, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. Even back then, Christ was there with them. Why? Because he is he, you know, eternally existent. Nevertheless, Paul says, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Say, okay, that, that was them back then. But Paul goes on, he says, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. Don't commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And he, and he, and he talks about all the, the, the examples in the, the Old Testament. Don't grumble as they were doing. He says, these things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. Not just those people back then on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So these, these examples are not just to, to say what God did with them, but it, they're examples for us. Think about that. You know, when you think about it, the, the entrance to the promised land to go into the promised land, it's the same as the entrance to eternal life for you and I. How do, we, how do we get in? We get in through belief, through trust, through trusting in Jesus Christ. And what keeps us out of heaven? Eternal life. Unbelief. A hard heart. Same thing. That's number one. Number two, found in verse six. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. He's talking about angels here now and, you know, saying, well, you know, God, that judges people, but God judged angels as well. What happened with the angels? It, 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 they had this incredible place, incredible place. But yet they rebelled against God. They turned away. They... <coughs> Uh, one commentator says this, that they aspired higher than what they had. It's never good enough. We won't, you, know, the, you know how that is. The grass is greener on the other side, right? And the angels thought, well, you know, we want something more. And, and they, they left heaven's brightness and light. And where did they end up? They ended up in darkness, as he said. In, in the book of Isaiah, it has these verses about really about Lucifer. And it says there this, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred Mountain, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the, to the grave, to the depths of the pit. These angels, it wasn't enough for what God had given them, the place that they had. And that's when, when the angels in, in Revelation 12 talks about a third of the angels that were kind of brought along with him. We see in these verses here in Jude, you know, they were... They were they were put in darkness, everlasting chains for judgment 
on that great day? Jesus talked about it. He said, they, that then he will say to, the, to those on his left, depart, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Looking in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, it says the devil who deceived them, he was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown and they will be tormented night and day forever and ever. And and later in that book, but it, it also says that anyone whose name was not found in the book of life we see here this, this rebellion against authority, this rebellion against the truth, and even in the, in the angels and, and, and what happened to them and, and the place that they now occupy, these fallen angels. The third, found here in, in verse uh, 7, he says, in a similar way, In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. And they serve as as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Sodom and Gomorrah, where do we find that? Genesis chapter 19. You've got to read the book of Genesis. If you've never read the book of Genesis, you've got to go read the book of Genesis. Take you maybe half an hour. It's the kind of thing where once you get into it and you, and you read about the families and, and, and the beginnings of, of the nation of Israel, and, and it's just fascinating. It's incredible. But we have this place called Sodom and Gomorrah and the towns like right around there, and it was just blatant sin, blatant rejection of God's uh, order, David Guzik says. And, and it's, this, it's this unnatural lust thing that was happening there. Jude says that, you know, they gave themselves over to this, you know, sexual immorality and perversion. You read those chapters and you see judgment fell. Judgment fell and it fell hard. Someone said God, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah by pouring out burning sulfur and And it was a foretaste of the eternal fire that is to come. That's what Jude says here as well. It's kind of like a picture and an example of what what hell is going to be like. Now, oh, there I said the word. I told you last week there are places they don't even want to say the word hell because it's too negative. It's got a bad connotation. But the Bible talks about hell. And so do we need to talk about hell? You know, I'm not this uh, fire and brimstone kind of person where I'm going to, you know, run around the stage and, and, and do all this stuff and, and get all crazy on you. But, I, but, but we have to understand this is a place that the Bible declares is real. It's true. It's a place of darkness and, and eternal separation, divine judgment. Do you know that Jesus talked about hell? Apparently, he talked about hell more than anybody else did. Jesus, he talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. I read this, excuse me, I read this thing at the Billy Graham website, billygram.org. And people write in with questions, right? 
And someone said this, this was their question. Did Jesus ever say anything about hell? He said, I don't believe in hell myself. I believe God is a God of love and wouldn't send anyone to hell. I think preachers who talk about hell all the time are just trying to scare people into believing in their religion. Have you heard any of this stuff before? That's a pretty common thought. But this is the answer. He said, yes, Jesus did talk about the reality of hell. In fact, he talked about it more than any other person in the Bible. And he warned, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Later on, it says this, that Jesus didn't talk about hell just to scare us. He talked about it instead because he wanted us to know that God has provided a way of escape. That's why he talked about it. So that you and I would know the answer. God doesn't want you to be separated from him forever. God doesn't want us to perish. The Bible makes that clear. Old and New Testament. They go on to say he loves you and he wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven. Don't gamble with your soul. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Instead, by faith, turn to Christ and commit your life to him. This is the truth of it. Eternal separation. God doesn't want any to perish. Sodom and Gomorrah was, was an example of incredible... Uh, talk about license. There were, there, were, there were no holds barred in this place, Sodom. And, and, and it, it, it got the attention of God, you know. And that's what happened. Fire came down. I... I have to say this about our country, you know, the freedom that we have, the freedom that our country was built upon, it's been twisted into license. And, and the freedom that, that our country was built on was built on following God's ways. It wasn't freedom in a vacuum. It was freedom in the context of God's ways and God's holy and righteous truth. But now... We have, you know, once you, once you start to, you know, uh, cut yourself off from those things, this, this freedom that we have now is like, it's like open up the, the gates. Billy Graham said in one of his sermons, I'll never forget this, he, and he's quoting scripture. He says, we've, we've sowed to the wind and we'll reap the whirlwind. And that is absolutely true. And we're seeing it now. After the last, you know, even, even in my lifetime, we, you know, the, the, how we've turned away from, from the, the truth and, and the, the morals of what God has given to this planet. Now, the United States, we, we've, we kind of lead the way now in all kinds of excess, all kinds of immorality, all kinds of different weird and strange, crazy uh, perversions and is it any different than Sodom and Gomorrah? We wonder why, why is this bad stuff going to happen to our country? Why is, why, how could this happen to us? We're a Christian nation after all. Really? Where did, where did that go? I told you it was not going to get any better here in the book of Jude. But we need to know the truth. We need to be reminded. We need to know there's a heaven, but there's also a hell. You know, there's 
trusting in Jesus Christ and, and, and being assured of what God has given to us in, in eternal life and, and those who, who reject and refuse and rebel. And, and it's not good. It's not good. But Jesus came. Jesus came, why? To be a Savior for us. He came to be the Savior of the world, you know. And, and that's, we're going to have communion right now. And, and I, think, I think having communion, I thought, well, you know, does that really kind of fit with what we're talking about today? But absolutely it fits, doesn't it? It's the answer for, for, the, for the judgment that, that, that Jude talks about here. You know, and, and, and now, again, let's keep the context in mind here that he's talking about false teachers. And, and these all face judgment and the false teachers will as well. God will have the last word. But, but, but for the human race, the last word that God gave to us is his son, Jesus. And he died for us. Jesus died for us. He died to save us. He, he died to, to deliver us and, and to give us that eternal life. I want to read uh, 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. This is the New Living Translation. It's kind of, it's nice. Uh, puts it well. He says, God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news, through the gospel. That's the answer to all of it. That's the bottom line. That's the last word right there is Jesus. What have you done with Jesus? Is, is he your savior? Is he not? I mean, that, that's it. But look what he did. He destroyed death. He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the good news that he gave to us. That's incredible, isn't it? That's why we focus on him, on Jesus. He's the one we focus on. We're all sinners, we know that, but, but the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness, worldly loves, and to, to live for Him and to serve Him with the life that we have right now. Let's pray together, and, and uh, after we pray, we're going to pass out the communion and have communion together. But let's pray first. <clears throat> Our dear God, our, our Heavenly Father, we come before your throne this morning. We, we look to you as, as the, the creator, the sovereign almighty God, and, and that, that you, you have every right. You have every right to do what you do and, and to judge as you would and to, to say what you desire to say. And, and so we... We submit to that. We surrender to that. And yet, we also know because you loved this world so much, you sent your son Jesus that all who would believe in him would not perish, would not be separated, would not spend eternity in hell, but have everlasting life with you in your presence, seeing you face to face, 
Lord, I, I, I hope and pray that each person listening here in this room and maybe others that would listen, that they know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. And the communion that we share is, is we're remembering of, of all that you did on that cross, Jesus, for us. You died for my sin. You rose again, conquering, defeating death, and you gave that life to us. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus or maybe submit to the awesome hand of God to, today, this morning, and, and say, God, I, I surrender. I, I've been living my own way, doing my own thing, but you're the king. And I submit and surrender to you. And Jesus, I, I'm lost without you. I, I ask you into my life. I receive you. I believe that you are the Son of God. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done, all you are doing, and all you will do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pass out the communion, and, and then we'll partake together. Please hold it until we... I'll have it.